Hello, hello, hello. This is podcast number two. I'm going to keep this one a little bit shorter and sweeter. I got some feedback, and of course, the person that gives me the most honest feedback is my wife. And she said I use a lot of technical jargon, and it was kind of hard to follow at times, and was really good for putting her to sleep. So let's try a little bit better this time. I think this is a topic that a lot of people can relate to. It's about pets. Everyone likes pets generally, or so some people don't, I suppose. I'm definitely a dog uh, person myself. Some people are into cats, some people are into chinchillas, some people are into um, all sorts of things, including uh, pigs and raccoons. So, as a responsible human being and pet owner, what I would urge people to do is... Maybe figure out if you're allergic or not. Generally, you can tell without even going to a doctor. If you spend uh, some time at your friend's place who happens to have a cat and you get the sniffles or a lot of sneezing or runny nose, itchy, watery eyes after you play with them, that's a good, good indication that you're allergic. And of course, if you're not sure and you really want to get a pet, you can get skin testing done at an allergist who is hopefully board certified. Skin prick testing is not the be-all and end-all of allergy testing. Some people can actually test positive and not have any symptoms. That's a state called energy, energy spent with an A. That means that you're essentially tolerant to whatever that sensitization is. Sensitization means that your body has developed some allergy antibodies to it, but you may not actually be reactive to it. This happens all the time, and it's a cause for what we call false positive reaction, or a test that tests positive, but it's not actually indicative of symptoms. So there's always a correlation that needs to be made uh, from skin test to clinical symptoms. Now, there are various allergens in different pets, and we have characterized these uh, very well. Um, so, for example, cat has the FALD proteins, uh, the dog has CANF proteins, so on and so forth. Now, one question I get asked surprisingly a lot is, are dogs and cats uh, synonymous in terms of allergies? And the answer is they're not. They're very different. They branched off in the evolutionary tree quite some time ago, and uh, the proteins that cause allergies are very unrelated to one another. Cat allergen is uh, very small. Uh, It's much smaller, so it's much more airborne. It's also one of these allergens that's really resistant to degradation, meaning that It'll last a long time. The half-life is roughly six months or half a year. So even if you have no cat or remove a cat from the home, it'll haunt you for some time. Generally, we think that four half-lives or about uh, two years is when uh, most of the cat allergen particles will be gone. Now, dog allergen is a little bit bigger and it tends to cause more uh, nasal symptoms. Of course, cat allergen uh, does this as well, nasal and ocular symptoms, so eye and nose symptoms. Cat allergen is sort of perfectly shaped, though, to kind of go affect uh, the lungs, so it can go all the way down to the little branches of your breathing tubes and cause uh, what we know as allergic asthma. Now, you may have heard of hypoallergenic cats and dogs. Well, while some cats have lower levels of allergen, uh, I think there's this weird cat named the Balamese cat that's the lowest FELD1 concentration, which is the major allergen. It doesn't mean that you're still not gonna, uh, you're not gonna have any symptoms. So even if it's uh, quote unquote hypoallergenic, you're still gonna have symptoms uh, to the cat. 
and the American Kennel Society puts a, out a lot of um, information about so-called hypoallergenic cats and maybe based on uh, shedding or whatnot. Uh, oftentimes shedding or whether a dog sheds or not doesn't really matter a lot in terms of allergies. It may cause more um, you know, the hairs to be around your house and whatnot, but it doesn't actually lead to uh, more symptoms. In fact, the biggest correlate um, of allergy symptoms to dogs is probably the size. The smaller the dog, the less uh, allergen it typically produces just by virtue of being smaller. And because it's a big allergen, it's not really all that airborne. Um, now, the Quad AI, the American Academy of Allergy, Asthma, and Immunology, um, doesn't quite agree with the American Kennel Society in terms of whether or not there are hypoallergenic dogs. And this is really based on uh, studies that are very, fairly well done comparing different dog breeds and finding not a huge amount of variability in the allergens. So if you're allergic to a dog um, and you have symptoms, probably best not to get one. Now there's things that you can do to mitigate uh, allergies to uh, pets. Uh, called allergen immunotherapy, and there's all sorts of trials on recombinant allergen immunotherapy, which just means that it's a sort of a, a more fancy, sophisticated way of inducing tolerance. Um, but these may um, uh, work or may not work in all uh, people. It's best to talk to your uh, qualified allergist about whether or not immunotherapy is right for you. And one thing I always discourage is don't do immunotherapy just for the purposes of getting a pet. Uh, you know, not every medical procedure is uh, risk-free. Uh, for example, allergen immunotherapy in general or allergy shots has a risk of allergic reactions that occurring at a rate of about one in a thousand. This risk is uh, much more higher uh, when people have things like asthma as a background risk factor. In fact, asthma is a, a huge risk factor for adverse outcomes and uh, more severe outcomes when they do occur. So um, not to say that you can't do allergy shots if you have asthma, but make sure your asthma is controlled and uh, it's not in what we classify as severe. Now, people have all sorts of other pets. Um, birds are another example. Uh, bird feathers have allergens in them, and uh, quite a large number of people uh, will develop allergies to this. Or worse, uh, some people develop some uh, a condition called hypersensitivity pneumonitis, which has similar symptoms to asthma, but it's a little bit worse than uh, asthma. And, um, you know, a relatively high number of people with prolonged exposure to uh, birds can develop this, so just be wary that that can develop. And uh, some studies show as much, uh, or as many as 15% of people. Uh, some are even higher, in fact. So, beware of uh, birds as a pet, and if you have symptoms, certainly uh, I wouldn't you know, recommend getting one. Probably one of the safer pets that people can get are uh, fish and toads and uh, uh, turtles. Uh, I have an aquarium myself, given my uh, multiple animal allergies. And aquariums can be quite a bit of fun if you don't mind not having the tactile stimulation. Um, of course, aquariums, if in a, not well-maintained or in a, a very wet area, can start uh, being a nidus for uh, molds and other things. Um, so just be wary of that and uh, try to keep the area around there uh, not moist and um, well-cleaned. Now, 
The other pets that some people have are more the rare and uh, wonderful. So, uh, you know, chinchillas. Um, some people even have raccoons. It is possible to have allergies to all of these things, but they aren't really reliable or, um, you know, FDA or Health Canada approved extracts to test for these things. Uh, there are some blood tests available, uh, available called immunocaps that can look for the presence of specific uh, allergens. Um, they may or may not be available depending on how uh, well equipped your lab is. Now, the other pet, I guess if you want to think of it that way, that I see as a common allergy are horses. Horses are also a very potent allergen that a lot of people have reactions to. And when people are around horses, they're also around a lot of hay and grass uh, and other pollens that may be relevant, so trees or ragweed. So just be aware that the uh, horse riding hobby has uh, uh, a lot of implications if you have allergies to them. Horse allergen also tends to really induce and bring out the asthma symptoms. Uh, so just be mindful that that can be what happens. All right, hopefully you enjoyed this. And please, 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 if you take anything away, just try not to get a pet if you know you're allergic or have symptoms. Um, you know, I would hate to see a cat or dog uh, be put up for adoption uh, because uh, we weren't uh, careful about screening for allergies beforehand. All right, the uh, last uh, thing to touch on here is other little pets like rats, hamsters, and mice. So people can be allergic to mice, but not hamsters. And people can be allergic to rats, but not mice in particular. So the rodents don't tend to cross-react as much as some of the other things may do. Um, so just be aware that, you know, it's possible to be allergic to just one type of rodent. Now, some allergists will have uh, extracts for these sort of smaller pets or smaller critters. So, um, you know, call around and see what is available uh, and how reliable those tests may be. Thank you. And hopefully you guys enjoyed this podcast. I welcome any constructive criticism or any criticism. So please uh, let me know. Thanks.